Authentic human stories connect people to the collective effort in a way that very few company strategies can. Hello and welcome to Masters of Comms, the podcast for transformative communication techniques straight from the pros. I'm Lamar Williams, host of Masters of Comms, as well as partnership manager at Sociable. I'm accompanied by our guest of the day, Sam Blezard, employer brand content producer at Fortnum & Mason. Many of you know Sam from his two podcasts, Comms from the Shed and How Can You Just Leave Me Standing in Search of Prince? With more than 25 years of internal comms experience, Sam has been successfully transforming strategies at leading organizations. And he's here today to illustrate his vision on how to put storytelling at the center of an internal communication strategy. Hi, Lamar. Firstly, thank you for having me. Sam, would you mind taking a minute to introduce yourself to our listeners? Of course. Yes, it's great to be on the show, Lamar. And I think the quick version of my sort of backstory is that um, having trained as a journalist off the back of a degree in English literature, um, I've been a communications professional for almost 25 years now. And I've been lucky enough to have worked in a really diverse range of companies and sectors. And that spans from Her Majesty's Royal Mail to uh, trade organizations like the Marketing Society, uh, fast moving consumer goods brands like Unilever. But I've also worked in central government, the cabinet office in UK central government, which is the department that houses number 10 Downing Street, and also in global construction at Lang O'Rourke. And more recently, I guess, in recent years, I've two separate spells in retail, one at the John Lewis Partnership and now with Fortnum and Mason. That business strategy has to have a clear cohesive story to hang together. And I like to think that I've learned a lot along the way in those 25 years. I mean, not least, I've, I've really seen the profession change, you know, the profession of communications, internal comms, employee comms. I think in its more recent iterations, it's blended with external communications. And maybe we'll talk a bit about that. I think one of the more recent fundamental shifts, I think, was during COVID, where I think everyone in the profession who was worth their salt became a crisis communicator. The media landscape has changed radically in the time that I've worked in communications, um, both in terms of how people consume communication, but also the way it's been fragmented, you know, fragmentation of messaging and the struggle for attention spans. Great. Thank you, Sam. Today, we're going to be diving into a subject that is typically centered around external communications, but has become more and more essential to internal comms. Storytelling is a tool that's used to drive an emotion, which is exactly why it's so important to understand how it can be extremely impactful to internal comms. Sam, can you tell us why you... Absolutely. And I think, Lamar, it's, it's, it goes beyond my time at, or it precedes my time at Fortnum and Mason, I should say. Um, I think many, many years ago, the penny dropped for, I think, a lot of communications professionals, especially those of us who have had the privilege really to work closely with leadership teams in our careers. It became sort of obvious about midway through my career that what, what really we have to do in our role is to persuade leaders to engage people's hearts and emotions first and draw an emotional response, whatever it is they're talking about in relation to the company, especially the important things, you know, company mission and values and these kinds of things. Unless you can make employees care about that company strategy, that mission, your worldview, what it is, you know, you feel your company ultimately contributes as a meaningful employer. Why do we turn up for work? At that point, you know, if you can engage hearts and emotion in that way, that, you know, then in turn, you can bring them up to speed on logic. You know, you and I, everyone 
listening, we're taught to connect to stories in such an instinctual way, you know, from a very young age. And it very rarely requires explanation, either from birth or from childhood. And it's such an important tool because you'll only engage people in your company mission if your employees believe you're talking to them, you know, directly to them. So connecting the overall ambition to people like them as well, so that they see people represented in those communications who are either their peers or look like their peers. And so authentic human stories connect people to the collective effort in a way that very few company strategies can. But of course, you can't have one without the other. And that's why it's it's such an important tool. I mean, to put it in the Fortnum and Mason context, storytelling is such an important tool because we have such a rich, characterful and diverse population of people. I think at the last count, we had approximately 60 different nationalities working for us. And, you know, I felt that maybe the awareness of that was not as high as it could have been, you know, when I joined. So part of my mission was to sort of raise awareness and put a spotlight on that. And that's an ongoing ambition, I suppose. And, you know, those people are the ones who make our ultimate purpose, which is we make joy. That's our that's our fundamental purpose within the company. And how do we bring that to life for customers every day, whether they're working in our warehouses, they're in delivery vans, on the shop floor, or in our many sort of wonderful restaurants? By starting to focus much more keenly on their stories, you can also then bring in our own rich history, which is, you know, incredible. It's over 300 years old, but you bring it up to date in a much more modern and meaningful way. So you're not just talking about the past all the time. You're actually talking about a, a modern iteration of what Fortnum's is. Everybody I speak to in all kinds of different industries, we're all in the midst of something that's bordering on a recruitment crisis right now. And it's a challenge the likes of which many of my colleagues in HR have rarely seen before. So the more meaningful our human story is, the more relevant we're going to be, I believe, as an organization to work for. Yes, that's clear. But I'm wondering... What would you advise listeners to do when deploying storytelling in their own internal comms departments? Could you provide us with any experiences that you may have encountered while implementing your strategy at Fortnum and Mason? You're always trying to hone those particular techniques, but you do you do have to start at the top of the organization. So what's the current articulation of your company story? So sometimes I think you can be um, fortunate or have the good fortune of timing. So I, I joined the organization as towards the end of a new leadership team forming, actually, and they were honing and refining that company story. So I think if you do have the benefit of seeing a company strategy forming, or being re-articulated or honed or evolved, you have to, I think as a communications person, be clear on the value that you're going to add and what kind of influence you might have on that. So I think if you're asked for your opinion, you have to sort of be honest with yourself and ask how clear is the current articulation of that company story. And of course, the thing I think that's possibly maybe not unique to retail, but I think there's a very specific feeling retail about you could have a very compelling company story to customers you know, that, that is commercially very, very powerful. But what does it mean to employees? You know, it might it might be less relevant to them. It might not, but I think it can mean different things. You know, I'm, I made a, a sort of a good humoured sort of quip to somebody the other day about, you know, if, if you roll the red carpet out for your customers, you have to roll the red carpet out for your employees, right? The way you communicate, the way you communicate externally or the companies communicate externally often has significant spend behind it, you know, because we're talking about advertising campaigns, we're talking about marketing campaigns, social media activity, how are you in parallel going to balance the 
the compelling nature of that story up employees internally. So that's always, I think that's always the challenge. You know, in terms of when you go back to your population, what are the three to four things they're likely to remember or have time to remember? In terms of experiences, I tend to find that you will always have ambassadors within your wider employee base. And I've found people in Fortnum's and that could be in terms of specifics, that could be people who are just naturally great at LinkedIn, people who are just naturally respectful and post really engaging updates on Instagram or people who are very, very good at sharing team briefs you know, who are really faithful to the message that's cascaded down from either the internal comms team or a combination of the internal comms team and the leadership team. So I think it's incumbent on you to find those people quickly and nurture that network, stay very close to that network, keep them updated, regularly check in with them. And then, you know, you may have to adapt depending on the channels available to you. I think you have to be open-minded enough, firstly, to go out and meet people at all levels of your organization, you know, and go there and, you know, because let's be honest, I think a lot of people often who occupy the role I do and others do, we are often seen as quote unquote senior within an organization. We have a relationship with the leadership team and that to some extent may or may not come with a, a certain assumption around the seniority we of our post or the status we hold within an organization. So I think you have to just constantly keep putting yourself out there. People tell me they've enjoyed reading the stories about Fortnum and Mason people. And so, I, you know, until people say they don't enjoy that aspect of it, I think we'll, we'll keep on telling the stories because we barely scratch the surface. We're not a big organization in terms of people, but we, we've got way more stories than we can actually tell, in actual fact. That owns into one of the elements I was wondering about, which is with audiences being so active on social media, we see them becoming even more critical of the content they receive. So what would be the right balance of stories that should be produced for these audiences? Do you have any examples of what works best or what comms teams should avoid? That's a good follow-up question because what I could what I would add to that is that even although I I give the impression of someone who is extremely comfortable who I just post all the time and I'm, I'm freewheeling it's you know I can see you nodding and I, you know it's not as simple as that you know I think in a lot of detail all the time and I think very carefully about everything I post in reality and I am spontaneous and I do go for the active stories and I like to communicate things when they're vital and fresh but even within that. I I do spend an awful lot of time thinking about the particular edit, I suppose. But I don't say that to put people off, but I think it's it's more about how are you going to be respectful of the company and the company brand? In terms of the balance and, and whether or not people are are sort of critical of stories that they receive, I guess the one, one answer to that is that if people see that something is too laced, even if it's subtle, it's, it looks like it's laced with a little bit of corporate language or framing or context. And whereas I guess I more prefer the sort of, you know, I've just met this amazing person, they sing in a choir, they clay pots on the weekend and they, they got so good at it that they're going to be featuring in a local art exhibition. Or oh, by the way, they do a fantastic job on the shop floor as well. It's, that's more what I find in terms of, you know, my own critical eye. I'm not down on the other stuff because I know it, it works and, I, and I've seen it work 
work and it's it's very slick and it's very professional. I'm just talking about the things that I think cut through. So I guess to me, Lamar, the, the quick version of that, so a slightly rambling answer is that if it's laced with the corporate language, I think it stands out quite quickly. I think just try and avoid it. I think in your mind, you can know what the, the strategy is or you can know what the four or five areas a company are targeting. So let's say a company has a big online push. You can share examples of people who are developing, you know, your online platforms or your online offer, but you don't need to shove this the specific strategic message that down people's throat. You just present the fact that you've got an amazing online team, very characterful and they're very collaborative and they're brilliant people. So it's about ways in. Yeah, I just think more and more people have sort of less and less patience for things that they see as inauthentic. Yes. So meaningful and authentic stories are key to driving audiences to content based on what we've been addressing so far. But when you have a heritage brand such as Fortnum and Mason that dates back to 1707, how are you able to give a modern spin to a brand that has such a distinct history. Could you provide us with some examples of what you've done? I suppose I touched on this earlier that when you have a business that is over 300 years old and, you know, we're talking about it's it's keeping the history alive. That's one thing, personal life, you know, because that's another way of looking at history. And what's the personal history that's coming into this rich company history? I think that's how we see it, really. So for the listeners who are not as confident or wouldn't dare start a storytelling program in their internal comms department, what would be three key takeaways that you would provide them on simply just getting started? The first takeaway is get to know as many people in your organization as possible and don't put that off. That starts on on day one. And I appreciate that COVID created an unbelievable challenge where that was concerned. I mean, I actually, I moved companies during the pandemic and I I spent six months working for an organization where I couldn't meet anyone. And I I don't mind admitting in hindsight, I found it incredibly difficult. I think I was less effective as a result. But that aside, I think navigating through the hybrid or the post-hybrid environment, you have to be prepared if you're a communicator. I don't think you can just say, oh, it's okay. I'm just going to go in one day a week. Or if you do, maybe you do go in one day a week, but you, you have to just spend that one day meeting as many people as possible, like max the time out. You know, don't don't get drawn into endless meetings. Or I suppose just don't don't put that effort off because that, that starts on day one. So you have to be within that, collating the network and building a network of ambassadors as well, as I mentioned, because they are going to come in extremely handy sooner rather than later. I think the second takeaway I would say is from a, if you're talking about a storytelling program, again, referring to what I said earlier, look at the story you're telling externally. If that's incredibly successful, why is it successful? What is the the focused effort that's going into a storytelling program internally? You know, is the story you're telling compelling? Is it based on authentic human stories. It doesn't necessarily have to be. That's something that really appeals to me that I'm passionate about, but it could just be you're just not packaging your story up in a a modern way and bite-sized information, or you don't have a a social aspect to it, or you know, you're not using your networks effectively. So I think there's definitely something about um, how it compares to the external story and the way that story is packaged up. So I'd used the expression earlier about, yeah, it's great to roll the red carpet out for your customers, but how are you going to roll the red carpet out from a storytelling point of view in terms of your internal audience? And I think the third takeaway is that you've got to inspire people and take them with you. And so that element of surprise, I think, surprise yourself, surprise the people who you're telling 
their story, if you're telling someone's story, surprise them in the sense of make it really a, an amazing kind of edit, you know, and I, I, I try to still even now apply the journalistic principles I was taught, you know, about just a succinct edit, you know, headlines, what's going to hook the kind of audience, you know, don't, don't kind of waffle on too much and you're there to sell newspapers, you know, you're not there to inform or be intellectual. And so I think, yeah, surprise yourself, surprise the people who you're representing and, you know, t- to be perfectly honest, that th- th- you're an overhead, you're a support function, so surprise Surprise the leadership team. You know, they're looking to you to bring in storytelling techniques and to tell the inspiring stories. You know, they they want to wake up on a a Monday morning at the start of the week and see that a story you've told is getting a a great reaction, that people are are joining a conversation about it or they're responding in some way. Because then they respond too. And so it's a self-perpetuating kind of cycle, you know. Well, Sam, we have just about arrived at the end of our episode, but I would like to ask you one last question that I enjoy asking all our guest experts on the podcast. Could you share with us the title of a book or a film that had a significant impact on you recently and why? Yes, that's a, that's a great question. So I'll share with you, uh, I'll share with you a specific book. Um, and it's an author as well. There's a guy, I believe he's one of the internet pioneers, but he has a, he has a very skeptical look actually at where we are now. His name's Jaron Lanier. He first took to my attention because he wrote a book called You Are Not a Gadget. More recently, he wrote a slightly more accessible book called, I think it's called 10 Reasons to Delete All of Your Social Media Accounts. And although it's a very provocative title and he admits within the first few pages that he's not he's not on a kind of tub-thumping mission to get people to do that, but it's extremely thought-provoking in terms of the way human behavior has been so kind of closely monitored in terms of its nuances and the way we are ultimately being controlled and maneuvered by algorithms that are way more sophisticated than anything we could ever have imagined. So if you want to be stimulated on that, because you don't want to switch off your social media accounts, but you'd like to kind of know what's behind the curtain kind of thing, that is extremely worthwhile, in my opinion, reading. So if you you want to see the, the person behind the curtain in The Wizard of Oz in terms of social media, I guess, that's a good one. And it's not long, it's relatively quick to read. But I guess his writings did have quite a significant impact on me, I think is one, one of his key skeptics as well. Thank you very much for joining us today, Sam, and responding to my questions. Thank you, Lamar. It's been great to uh, to be here. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. This has been Masters of Comms, the podcast for transformative communication techniques straight from the pros. Follow us here to find the next episode. See you soon.